Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Burn Your Draft, an exploration of the Reed College senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Frank Tangerlini, and this week we'll be talking with Jake Buck. I'm sure you've read joke books, but have you read ancient joke books? Let's go back to our comedic roots with Jake Buck and his translation of one of the oldest Chinese joke books. My name is Jake. I'm in the. I'm originally from San Diego, California. Although I moved around a lot as a kid, uh, I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, my family now lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, yeah, I'm. I'm in the Chinese department. I'm a Chinese major. I'm actually the only Chinese major in my year. Um, let's see. My thesis. I I turned in my thesis yesterday morning, uh, and. Yeah, I still have to do my my oral examination. Um, yeah, I had to take like two two minor extensions. Well, congrats on finishing. Well, thank you. My uh, thesis is called uh, "Tales to Crack a Smile: A Translation and Analysis of Qi and Lu." And uh, "Tales to Crack a Smile" is essentially the uh, this joke book from China. Um, and it's compiled around the 6th to 7th century. Uh, and yeah, most of my translation was just going into translating it. And it's basically a compilation of 104 of these humorous anecdotes, usually about like a paragraph in length. And it's never been translated before. So I was just working on that mostly. And then the analysis is just sort of looking at how humor is used. And then the second chapter is on uh, the different types of humor. Do you have a favorite anecdote? Yeah, um, I, I can't really say it because I, I uh, because it's a lot of them um, re- rely on these the like, classical illusions and they really don't really make sense. <laughs> but I, I tried my best to. I have one of them um, if you want me to read. Yeah, that would be cool. It's pretty, um, it's pretty juvenile. I love this one because it's so stupid, <laughs> and it's it was just such a blast. Um, so I'm just gonna read it. Um, how I translated it. I'm not going to paraphrase it. So during the Jin, uh, Zhu Shiyan and Zhong Ya were mocking each other. Zhong said, the scholars of my homeland of Ru and Ying rivers are as sharp like an owl. Like an owl. The scholars from your homeland of Yen and Dai are as dull as a pestle. Zhu replied, I'll take my dull pestle and smash your sharp owl. Zhong said, my owl is magical. You cannot smash it. Zhu replied, since her owl is magical, my pestle is also magical. Zhong therefore acknowledged defeat. And I, I just thought that that was so, it's like the first like anti-joke. And yeah. I, I think it's great. Um, but a lot of them, uh, it's pretty diverse, um, the content-wise. Uh, the, the text I was working with has four sub-chapters. And um, like one of them is uh, Hun Wang. And uh, I translated that as airheads. And these are essentially making fun of people for committing social transgressions and um, these just embarrassing blunders. Um, like there's one uh, anecdote where a man uses a, uh, a pottery urn for a hat and he's just like walking around his ha- house with like this urn over his face because he doesn't realize like 
how hats are supposed to be worn. And the, the punchline is when his daughter-in-law has to like greet him and, and uh, talk to him and he has just this burn over his uh, face. Um, there's also a section called Lunan, and I translated that as debating what is difficult. And these often make fun of um, Buddhist monks and Confucian scholars. And essentially what it is, is they'll be sort of having this sort of lofty debate using this like esoteric language and the, the jester will sort of come in and, and stump them by quoting their own text, usually like the Lotus Sutra or like the Confucian Analects. And usually will like evoke some sort of pun. But the whole idea is that the jester, like the, the power of these figures lies in their ability to, to quote these texts from memory. And the jester sort of responds by also quoting from memory. So it's sort of like a, he subverts their, their, their power. Yeah. And then there's also like the, the section called Bianjie, which is a nimble tongue. And these are sort of like your witty banter between two figures. And um, they're kind of like the yo mama jokes of, uh, of ancient China. <laughs> but instead of talking about uh, people's mother, it's more about like, like surname. That's often a common subject of mockery or like, native homeland, like the one we just saw, or um, physical appearance, you know, things, very common um, subjects of, of humor. Yeah, so like, there's, there's a lot of diversity. Um, like, there's jokes with like the emperor and the court jester, there's, there's jokes making fun of um, famous statesmen and, and uh, political figures and warlords throughout the centuries. Um, there's nameless peasants and, and merchants. So it, it deals with a pretty wide variety of, of characters. What made you choose this topic for your thesis? Um, I, well, when I, my senior year, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just sort of went around um, asking my teachers for ideas. And uh, one of my teachers, my current uh, advisor, he just recommended that I uh, read some humorous stories. And I sort of liked it, but I, I told him that I, I liked the topic of humor that I wasn't really into these stories. And he said, well, if you like humor, there's this uh, joke book that's sort of recently been discovered and um, it hasn't been translated yet. So I said that that sounds interesting and we've been working on it together. Nice. How did you go about translating it? Uh, just one joke at a time. Um, my When I first um, took up the project, I knew, it, it, I mean, it's a really big document. Um, and but I went into it with the mindset that I wanted to finish it and translate all of them. And I didn't end up actually doing that. I translated about um, 75%, but I'm probably going to finish uh, after after read maybe this summer. Um, yeah, just like I, I when I first started, I was like not good because the, the language, if you can imagine, from the sixth century is quite different from modern Chinese and my modern Chinese is not even that good. So there was a lot of trial and error, um, but I quickly got better at it and I worked a lot over winter break. Um, yeah, just like going through and, and there's a lot of like unique character, like character variations and, and like small things that I had to tweak and, and learn, but yeah. It sounds, did you have like a timeline set up? Yeah. So. I so the the thing with this text with this project was I couldn't really write an analysis, which is what the thesis really is. Until I like I can't write about the book unless I know what's in it. 
So most of my time went into translating it. And it, honestly, I took too long translating it because I wanted to make sure I wanted to use the best examples and I wanted to be able to talk about the text as a whole before I really wrote about it. You know, until like the end of March, I was, I was still translating um, every day. Whoa. I'm sure moving didn't help with that either. Yeah, it was... It, I mean, I was trying to translate every day, I should say. I didn't always get there, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, and, and like very tedious too, like, cause there's so many um, like classical allusions and um, just parts where I was stuck and I just like didn't know what was being said. So was the outcome of your thesis what you expected when you started or was it any bit different? Well, like I said, I was hoping to finish it, but I didn't, I didn't get to finish it. I still, I will, but, um, I was, I was hoping to have a whole, the whole thing, um, translated. Um, I wasn't really sure actually the, when I originally took up the project, I was hoping to sort of use the text as a way to understand the period in which it came from, because it came from a really interesting time in Chinese history when, um, sort of after centuries of China being um, sort of broken up into a number of warring states and it was sort of unified under the Soi dynasty in, in uh, 581. And that's sort of when this text was written. So there's a lot of interesting pieces of history that the text deals with. So originally I took up this project because I didn't know anything about the time and I wanted to use it as a sort of a way to examine that period of time but I sort of quickly learned that that was kind of hard to do and it was better just to focus on the text itself and not try to sort of step into the questions of history. Um, because, and this is like a general problem that I have, like when I read a piece of literature, I want to understand, like I want to imply what I know about that time onto the text rather than just reading the text. And you know what I mean? No, so, that makes sense. <laughs> so that was probably the, the biggest thing that I had to deal with. I, I, I sort of, towards the end, when I had to write an analysis, I really just focused on, I tried to keep it really simple. Like, what are the type of jokes? You know, like, don't try to, because before I wanted to, like, talk about, like, the three teachings, like Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism. And I wanted to see if I could understand the text through, like, how it treats each of these ideologies. But instead, I, I, um, I that was a little too ambitious, I think. Did you see any of those kind of ties like throughout it that were then just like didn't keep going throughout the book or were those just what you came into it thinking? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Like I definitely, and also like this text has sort of two parts and the first part was written maybe by one person and deals with a very specific time period. Whereas the second part is more of a compilation of stuff from, from the past. And that makes it very hard to generalize about like, what is this text like trying to say? Because it's incorporating a lot of stuff from different periods of history. So it's really hard to talk about the text as like a whole, because you're dealing with, like on the one hand, you have like very like low brow, like really stupid, um, not stupid, but like very like juvenile type of, of jokes. And, and that sort of historically made humor and humorous literature in China sort of has a marginalized status. But on the other hand, you have like these examples of, of like, so this witty dialogue that was really influential, that sort of like revolutionized 
I wouldn't say revolutionized, but it, it sort of opened up the range of what literature could be. And a lot of these humorous anecdotes sort of corresponded with this movement that pushed the boundaries of what you could write about. How did, how did it push those boundaries? Well, there's a, like, for example, five of the jokes um, come from this text called the Shushuoshini, which is this thing right here. And uh, a lot of these have to do with, like, this concept called Qingtang, like pure conversation that deal with like um, debating sort of like esoteric topics. And it's sort of challenge. A lot of them sort of are associated with like championing the individual voice and using humor and language as a way to promote oneself and not only promote oneself, but to critique institutions of power. Like you have court jesters who will use humor to um, remonstrate against a corrupt king. So it kind of allows everybody to have that kind of gesture position by publishing it. So like some of the, the oldest story in the, in this text comes from like 90 BC around 90. And it has to do with like a court gesture critiquing a King. And I'm sort of arguing that if you want to argue that there's an evolution, you could saying like now um, that that's more opened up to anyone or that the, like more people can be. Um, and also like the, a lot of the older jokes deal with like, are very restricted to like the political use of humor. Whereas like these jokes have a lot of jokes set in a more domestic setting. So it's almost like taking the structure of that form of like court jester type jokes and sort of applying them to, you know, like a son-in-law arguing against his father-in-law and, and things like that. That's really cool. Um, did you, other than moving and the timeline of everything. Did you have any other unexpected challenges when writing or analyzing? Oh, my computer died <laughs> on the same day I was like <laughs> uh, denied from um, staying on campus. That was really stressful because I lost some work. But I mean, other than that, um, it wasn't too bad. It's more just like the inability to find a quiet space like to work is honestly the biggest challenge yeah and then i don't know i mean I, i've been able to contact like communicate with my thesis advisor pretty well uh through email and through zoom so that hasn't been a, a as big a problem as i thought it would be that's good to hear uh what skills did you acquire or strengthen during this uh experience the biggest takeaway for me was learning to translate i'd never done that before really um so i was that i really had to learn fast like how to do that and um it's something that i definitely want to keep doing after read yeah i think that jokes are definitely hard to translate because half of the point is having them land as well so yeah i i, I should say that i like translating jokes more than like i could never translate poetry because like, how do you know, how do you know if you've translated a poem well? Like with with humor, like you you either get the joke or you don't. But with like poetry, it's like, how do you know? <laughs> you could be way off, and and no one could, you know, prove you wrong. That's true. <laughs> Maybe there are a lot more researchers dedicated to translating poetry than jokes, though. Yeah, there definitely. Yeah, there definitely is. I don't. I have ne there like this text hasn't been translated and and nor have a lot of other joke books. It's not really taken like seriously. 
That's interesting because I feel like jokes have lasted over a long period of time. So it would be cool to see like where the first time that kind of joke came from. Yeah, the first the first joke book because my this is sort of like the second China's like second uh, existing joke book. The first one was written during at the end of the Han Dynasty around like 200 AD. Um, but yeah, some of them like hold up pretty well, and some of them are just like you know they re- they sort of rely on um, very specific cultural things. How do you think your thesis experience will inform your time outside of Reed? after um well like i said i want to i want to keep translating um so i'd like to in terms of the summer i think i would like to finish it um beyond that i don't know like if i went to grad school i don't know if i will but if i if i do then i would like to keep doing this type of work or even if i don't go to grad school i would like to keep doing it although it's just hard to like i need i need just a teacher to to tell me I'm right or wrong because I need just that feedback um, right now. Um, And then also just like, it's definitely taught me to manage my time better. Um, I was very like, I had a very one track mind with the translations and I wasn't really thinking about the analysis as much as I should have been until it was kind of like, until like, yeah, I didn't have like that much time. So I think translating will probably get easier as you translate more and more books, right? It's kind of like reading. You get better at it. Yeah, I was I was annoyed because I I sent my everything I had to my advisor and he like commented, he made comments on everything, like a hundred pages of, of translations and he in like you know, a weekend. And it was like, I was like, it was insane how, <laughs> yeah, how well he could do it. And I, I'm, it's really impressive. Well, hopefully this will help me in, in some way. It's like, just like talking about it. Um, it's weird. Cause like, I've been thinking about it for months, but I don't, I haven't really like talked about it to people. So. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me about your thesis. It sounded like a really cool project and it sounds like you're pretty well ready for your orals coming up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you, Jake, for your time and for telling us about your thesis and the amount and kinds of work that went into it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again to talk to more seniors about their thesis and better understand why you'd want to burn your draft. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Frank Tangerlini. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiga. Nate Martin, staff member and alumnus, is our project manager. Music by alumni Jack Salvucci and podcast art by alumni Henry Gottschlich and Lillianne Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.